Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Good evening. How are y'all today? Right? There has been, it's so crazy. I've talked to several people, I've been in several conversations, and everybody keeps making the statement like, it's weird how excited we are. You know what I mean? Like, we're in a crisis. We're in a pandemic. First time ever in my lifetime. And we're all just running around so excited, like, this is awesome! (laughs) It's crazy because um, uh, we were actually in a prayer last night over a specific situation, me and Dad, with this specific person about what was going on in their life. And in the prayer, Dad made a statement that I feel like just summed it all up, what we're dealing with right now so well. And he said, I pray that they go tomorrow or to this next thing with, uh, how do you, how'd you say it? I pray that they go with an anticipation instead of an anxiety. And I feel like that's the difference between the kingdom of God and this world right now is you're either living with anxiety because, oh my God, what's going to happen? Or you're living with an anticipation of we are primed for revival. Like, we are right on the brink. And, and for some of us that study revivals, we love to pull from revivalists, guys that just did so much incredible stuff. Um, you can't study a revival without seeing the, what, 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 what happened to, up to the revival. Like, what was the context of the world? What was the context of the nation or the city when these revivals broke out? And if you've studied any of them, you know they were in the same situation we have found ourselves in, uh, in Amer- not just in America, but in the world. Isn't it crazy that we're in the middle of something that now we can't just say America? I, I want to hang out right here real quick for just a second, and I'm going to try to be as uh, sensitive as I can. But I think it's going to do us Americans a lot of good to be in a situation where we quit saying America, where we quit saying it's just about what we're going through. It's just about what's happening. No, this is about the world. For God so loved the whole world that he gave. And now all of a sudden we've been thrown into something with the entire world. And all of a sudden our little world has to get so much bigger and so much good stuff. It, it should change your prayer life like crazy. Uh, I thought I did good at praying for worldly things. That sounded terrible. Things of the world, the, entire, the planet, the cosmos, until things like this happen and you realize how little you actually pray about and are involved in or even aware of. I know a lot of times, especially in church settings, we are, we are told, talked against being relevant because we've butchered the word relevant when in reality the church should be the most relevant organization on the planet because the actual word relevant means to be in touch with what's happening in your world the problem is we've been so out of touch with everything happening in the world so we don't have intercessors and we don't have prayer warriors and we're not reaching out in situations and and all of a sudden God has thrust us into a moment No, God did not. Hear me. He did not send nor create this stupid virus. But he is a God who takes everything and finds a way to thrust his church into the middle of it and bring hope and restoration. That has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight. But I'm just... uh, Anyway. Y'all go to the book of Joshua. Surprise, surprise. So since December, <laughs> I haven't taught anywhere but the book of Joshua. Don't worry, Kenny, you'll get better. You can stay. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, those of you that got to be with us about, uh, how many weeks ago was that now? Uh, I did a teaching on a Sunday night, and we did 10 principles. Uh, I love the Word of God. Because it is full of revelation, things that are just from heaven that just, and it's also within the context of the revelation, full of incredible principles that if you apply them to your life, they work. They change your life. As a matter of fact, a, a, a majority 
of extremely successful businesses, business models just in the world are actually built on principles that you find in the Bible. And even the world has learned to take these principles and become successful. We, with the Holy Spirit, should be operating on a level of success that the world can't even imagine because not only do we have the principles, we have the spirit of the one who wrote the principle. So tonight I want to deal with some principles. Can we do that? Uh, If you're taking notes, first of all, I want to say I love you. You speak my language. That's my love language is taking notes in case you need to know. And food, in case you can't tell. (laughs) So, if you're taking notes, my title tonight is going to be The Progression of Honor. I wanted to call it The Culture of Honor, but Danny Silk done wrapped that all up really nice and put a bow on it and wrote a book, so I'm going to go in a different direction. Uh, The Progression of Honor, and this actually started several weeks back. Uh, God began to deal with me specifically on some things in my own life, uh, direction, what honor really was. Uh, It really became ignited while we were at the pastor's conference in South Texas and uh, just being able to be under the influence of some guys who operate on a level of honor that I personally have never really been involved in. Uh, So seeing that, and it brought me to it. And since then, Uh, The bulk of my personal study and and what I'm in has been wrapped around this idea of honor and what it really is. And I want to talk about the progression of honor because I'm going to be honest with y'all. I thought I was really good at it. I'm just just being real. Like I thought I honored really well. uh, And I feel like I did honor well at the level I was on. And so the thing about honor, though, is a lot of times we don't understand the progression of honor. So when we're honoring really good on this level, that's the only level we honor on. And it really, it really escalates. Uh, I believe everything in the kingdom is, revolves around when God said, or used Paul to pen, we go from glory to glory. I believe every aspect of our life is actually designed to go through these glories, these, these levels. So honor is the same way. Honor is extremely important because where there's no honor, there can be no unity. And you can fake unity, but you can't fake honor. You can act like you like them while you're here, but our life talks of honor, what we do. And and so tonight, I just, I want to get into that, and I want you to hear me from this. I'm going to teach this as it was taught to me by the Holy Spirit, and it was taught to me by the Holy Spirit in in direction or in correlation, whatever cool word you want to put right there, because I can't think of one, uh, in leadership, especially my spiritual father and mother. Uh, the mother and father of this house. This is how it was taught to me by the Spirit in this progression of honor. So as I'm teaching, it's going to be directed in that way a lot, but he's also shown me the parallels of this, that I should also operate this with every single person that is in the body of Christ, that I learn to go through the progression of honor with anyone and everyone. Uh, But that being said, there is an incredible responsibility and importance to understanding this as it relates to your spiritual leaders, whether that be the lead pastor or just a pastor in your life, whatever that may be. God is beginning to show me some things uh, and direct me in some areas for me to realize that you cannot enter into the destiny and the promise that he has called you to if you don't get this concept. You can be a good person You can be a good Christian, but you will not live in the fullness of his promise and his destiny if you don't learn this progression of honor as it relates to the leaders that are in your life. All right? So in this, I kind of reverted to my childhood uh, and pulled out my video game knowledge, which is very small. Uh, But I want, the way this came to me just in prayer was in levels. And we're going to deal with four levels of honor. There may be a lot more than that. These are the four that I am currently being taught by the Holy Spirit. Uh, So if you're taking notes, uh, honor level one is obedience. You can, uh, if you're already in Joshua, we're going to read one and 16. I'm going to give you some context for the scriptures that we're about to pull out because we're pulling right out of the middle of Joshua chapter 1 and there's so much happening. 
which, I mean, y'all know I've been teaching Joshua chapter 1 since December. Uh, my Bible looks all crazy on that one page. But what's happening here is Joshua has now taken the lead. Uh, Moses has died. God told Joshua, now it's your turn. You're fixing to take the children of the promised land. God gives Joshua the entire vision, the whole plan. He lays it all out before Joshua. Well, now what Joshua has to do is he has to embrace a multitude of people who have only followed Moses. Up until this point, they've only known how to follow Moses. So he comes to these people, and he starts giving them the vision that God has given Joshua. And after he gets through giving the vision, he ends at verse 15 in telling them what's going to happen, what they're going to do, how it's going to go. We're going to just pull out verse 16 to start with. And verse 16 says, And they answered Joshua, saying, All that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. The progression of honor begins on honor level one, obedience. This is the level we know about. And this is the level that I feel like we thought, man, when we master this level, we got this honoring thing down. No, no, no. This is level one, okay? This is, this is where I was at. I thought, when dad says something, I do it. Maybe not immediately, but I do it eventually. And, and, and even getting better in those areas. But God began to just take me into this. And actually, before he gave me the four levels, the first term he gave me to this was, this is an elementary honor. This, this, is, this is what you do in elementary. That being said, how do you say elementary? You ever notice that? Some people say tree. Where do you get the tree from? Just wonder. Just, just a question. Totally off subject. <laughs> oh, it makes it shorter. I got you. So obedience is the elementary version. Now y'all got me saying it. Wow, that happened fast. Gosh, y'all's influence is incredible. <laughs> the elementary version of honor is yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. That's, that's, you know why that's the elementary? What's the first thing your kids well, should learn to do. You get what I'm saying? Through elementary school, i switch back. We're going to do this all night. I can tell. Through elementary school, kids are just doing what they're told in school because they don't know better than that. You get like, in other words, it's not out of what they believe about the teacher. It's out of, I'm a child and I just, I'm, I, that's what you told me to do. And so when you understand this, now take that understanding and put it in the context of, well, I honor well. Why? Because you did what they asked? Because <laughs> you did what a two-year-old does? So that means, and the church is wondering, like, why are we always keep coming back to this honor thing? Why is honor such a big deal? I'll tell you why. Because we're all honoring on an elementary level. And, and he's showing us that to walk in the promise the vision that Joshua gave, we have to go through the progressions of honor. And if we can't get past level one, how are we going to live in what he has called us to design? And, and here's the thing. When you start talk, to, you can't talk about honor and it be just personal. Because if you had one person in a room, they can't give honor. You get what I'm saying? Honor is always relational. There has to be someone to honor and someone to receive the honor. So when I say we can't walk in the purpose, the destiny, the calling, I mean life, church as a whole, as a body, plurally, can't enter into what we've been called to do if we don't understand the principles, the precepts, the power of honor on every level through all the progressions. So what I do want to do is start like God did in Genesis chapter 1, and we got level 1. I hope, I mean, I hope we're at that place where at least when your spiritual leader asks you to do something, you just do it. If not, here's an altar, and I will meet you here, and we can pray for salvation. So this is this entry level. This is this, this, is this stepping into this first thing. And for me personally, it was a weird place because when you come into this and your spiritual leader is your natural father, there's always that kind of like, eh, kind of been telling me what to do all my life. I'm a grown man now. So I'm just saying I pay my own bills. So, you know, I mean, there's that thing. But, but what happens is 
I want to, what I was saying, I want to do like God. And after the first day, he hadn't finished yet, but he stopped and said, this is good. So right now, I do want to say, if you're living in that level, if you're on the level one, and you are honoring, and you've been learning to say yes to your spiritual leaders, when they call a fast, you fast. <laughs> when they call a prayer meeting, you go to prayer meeting. When they call, you, why? Because it's the elementary level of obedience. And it's the way it was. I mean, at least ours haven't stood like Joshua did, yes, and commanded his officers, this is what we're going to do. And if you want to live in the promise... You do this. And so what I do want to step into, because being connected in arenas and areas that we are, I understand that there are some churches that don't even have level one. I, I understand that. So I do want to say I feel like we handle level one pretty well, and that's good. And I'm, I'm proud of that because you can't get level two and you can't get level three until you master level one. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on one, two, and three because I want to hang my hat on level four tonight. Like, we're just jumping to the end, right? Uh, the first and most basic thing even that the disciples had to do was be obedient when Jesus said, follow him. And then after they said yes to that, they begin to grow in levels that we can't even imagine. Honor. Everybody say honor. honor. Level two. Honor level two, level one was obedience, level two, restraint. We're going to jump over, you don't have to go there if you don't want to, I'm going to just pull them out and read them really quick, give you some context. First Samuel chapter 24, I'm going to read verses four through seven, what's happening here is David is starting to gain a lot of popularity and Saul is getting super nervous. He doesn't like it. So he starts chasing David down, wanting to kill David, right? Yeah. 24. I'm going to start in verse 4. So what happens here is Saul's looking for David to try to kill him. Saul goes into a cave to relieve himself. Apparently it took him a long time. Uh, but while he's in there, <laughs> while he's in there, this is where the story picks up. David is actually hiding in the cave that Saul comes into, this dark cave, and we're going to pick it up in verse 4. It says, Then the men of David said to him, This is the day that the Lord has said to you, Behold, I'm going to give your enemy into your hand, that you made to do to him, catch this, what seems good to you. Hang on to that. You can do what seems good to you. Where'd I pick up? <laughs> and David arose and sneaks up to Saul. David, if you read the next three chapters, David is the sneakiest human being on the planet. Sneaks up to Saul, <laughs> takes out a knife and cuts off the corner of his robe and then sneaks away. Now it happened afterward that David's heart was troubled because he cut Saul's robe, because he did what felt good to him in the moment. And he said to the men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my master, the Lord's anointed one, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing that he is anointed by God. So David, if you have the New King James Version Bible, restrained the servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went his way. What's pretty awesome, though, is after Saul leaves the cave, David runs out and is like, hey, yo, could have killed you, just so you know. Could have took you out. See this? This was on you. Now it's not. And so we see, this, we see this incredible moment where David is in a position to do what seems good to a leader. Whether the leader deserves it or not, he's in the position and the men say, do what seems good to you. Do what you think. And David practices a cuss word that starts with an R. Uh -huh. Restraint. Not only does he restrain himself, but he restrains them from saying anything. Wow. See, what happens is it's easy for the first level one in obedience because most of us start to obey spiritual leaders without actually knowing them yet. We just know they're the pastor, so surely... They're a good person. The, the struggle is once you get to know them. 
That sounded terrible, didn't it? <laughs> that didn't come out like I thought it would. The struggle is, once it clicks in your mind, wow, they're human just like I am. Because we all come in with this pastor on the white horse mentality, and he's perfect, and he preaches every Sunday. He must preach seven days a week. And, and in reality, we get to this place where now we know who he is. Now David knows what Saul's like. So we get into a situation and the leader does something that you don't like. And if that hasn't happened yet, hang on a little while. He will, they will, someone will. Try not to make this too specific. <laughs> Sorry. So what happens is then we get in a position where something's done that we don't like and something else seems good to me. And what's pr the problem with that is you got to be careful with who's talking around you because then they'll start saying, well, why don't you do what you think is right? Why don't you say what you think is right? Why don't you move in the area that you think is right? When in reality, the leader hasn't said it, so we can't do it. I can't move into that area. So David starts to practice something incredible called restraint. And even though he would have been justified, he said, I can't do this for one reason. Did y'all catch the reason? Because he's anointed. No other reason. You know why you're not allowed biblically to talk about that TV preacher that you talk about? I'm just saying. And, or maybe it's not a TV preacher. Maybe it's a, a preacher in the community. If God's anointed him, you might want to practice some restraint. You might want to stop and say, for the sake of myself and for the sake of life, church, shut your mouth. We have to get to this place. We as a whole have to get to the place where we are restraining ourselves in moments where I want to say what I think would be good. But because of the area of leadership, influence, anointing, it doesn't matter my opinion. It matters has God allowed me to move in this? Has that leader allowed this to happen? Has they, and all of a sudden we find ourselves on level two where we have to restrain from any form of dishonor. Man, David was incredible. Level three. Level one was obedience. What was level two? Level three, guard. In the, in the first elementary level of obedience, I mean of honor, we just start obeying. We start doing. They said, well, we're going to do what you say. We're going to go where you send us. Level two, we step into this that becomes a little more resist, resistant to us, and we start practicing restraint. And then in level three, we move into this whole new category. And actually, we touched on it a little bit with what happened in David in this story. But in 1 Samuel 26, if you just jump right over, I'm going to read 14, 15, and 16. Now, in this one, this, almost the same scenario has happened. Saul is looking for David again, and he sets up camp in a valley. David's men are hiding in the rocks. While Saul's men are asleep, and Saul is asleep, David sneaks into his camp. Like, everybody's there. As a matter of fact, this time David's like, how many of y'all are brave enough to go with me? I'm serious. Read the story. He literally says, how many of y'all are brave enough to sneak in here with me? Like, this dude is a, a thrill seeker. He's an adrenaline junkie. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, hey, hey, why don't we sneak in there? You mean into the camp of a thousand men who want to kill you? That's where you want to sneak in? Yeah, yeah, let's sneak in there. So there's always two of them like, yeah, let's do it, bro. So these two get with him. They sneak into the camp, and they sneak all the way to where Saul is at. Now, let me tell you this. Let's, 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 let's paint a picture here. I like to see what I'm reading. If Saul is the king, and he's got these thousands of men with him, where do you think he's sleeping? Good answer. In the middle. 
You know he's all the way in the middle. David and two guys sneak all the way in there, and the same conversation comes up. One dude's like, David, this is your chance. I know you blew it last time, but this time, there's even a spear here waiting for you. And the Bible says there's a spear stuck in the ground next to his head. And check out his friend's words. Why don't you stick him to the earth, and then I won't have to stab him when you're done? What? All right, you're not sneaking in no more, all right? Like, you come with the next group. Uh, so let's pick this up. Verse 14, and David, uh, anyway, that happens. David says, no, I'm not going to kill him because he's the Lord's anointed. So David says, instead, I'm going to steal his spear and his water jug. And they sneak out of the camp. You know what I mean? So they sneak out and they have it. When they get outside the camp, David, again, because he's crazy, Yells, called out to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner. Sorry. <laughs> Abner, Abner is Saul's top guard. Like, he's the guy that Saul goes nowhere without him. You get what I'm saying? Like, he was the one standing at the edge of the cave while Saul was doing his thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's the only guy that gets to get that close. So, Saul, so David doesn't ho holler back at Saul. He hollers at Abner and says, uh, Abner, do you, do you answer? And Abner answered and said, who are you calling out to the king? So David said to Abner, are you not a man? <laughs> Golly. Oh, man. Who is like you in Israel? Why then did you not guard your master? For one of these people, <laughs> I like how he doesn't say it was him, somebody snuck in there. I don't know who it was. Probably that guy that wanted to stab you. Golly. One of the people came in to destroy your Lord the King. This thing that you have done is not good. Catch this. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. That's heavy. That's heavy. Level three of honor is to guard. Guard what? Guard your leader. If something can sneak in and take something from him, that's on you. That's on us, church. When's, when's the last time in your prayer time you stopped to guard your leaders? When's the last time you took a moment and said, if anything's trying to steal something from my leader, it's coming through me. But instead, a lot of times, we, we, me included, we find ourselves laying down asleep, just like Abner, while the enemy is sneaking into your leaders, into the people around you, and he's taking things, he's stealing things, he's coming in to do whatever he wants, while we lay sleeping. And David is saying, you should be dead, because you couldn't guard them. You know where we see this again? We see this again in, in the end of Matthew when Jesus comes back and says, you couldn't stay with me one hour? You couldn't stay awake one hour. You couldn't stay in prayer for one hour. You couldn't protect this for one hour. And this is where we found ourselves. We're like Abner. And, and, and we glory in how close we are to the leaders when in reality we've so fallen asleep something could come in and steal from them. For the church to enter into the place that God is calling us to, there's a level of honor where I understand the importance of guarding my leaders. What happened to not on my watch? Not, no, 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 no. You might sneak in on someone else. I want it to become to where the enemy might sneak into some other organization and might tear down the leader somewhere else. But at Life Church, there's such a guard that's ready that I'm on point and I'm in prayer and I'm guarding every situation. But listen, there, there, there's, there's two sides to this the Holy Spirit has so been convicting me on. There, there's, there's two sides to this. Not only is this a spiritual thing that is accomplished in prayer, sometimes it has to do with us telling someone to shut up, just maybe in a more polite way. Like, we don't talk like that here. I, 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 heard, I heard things like this all my life growing up in church, how... Everything that you hear a kid say about preachers is what they heard their mama 
and their daddy say about preachers around a table. And, and it just becomes passed down. And what happens is we allow things to be said and we allow attitudes to be brought up and we allow the, well, I would do it this way. I'm telling you, if you knew the amount of prayer and conviction I've been under in the last two weeks. But we have this attitude that we allow to run rampant, and the attitude is, well, I would have done it this way. Let me help you and me. You're not the one anointed to do it. So the way you would do it is irrelevant. The way I would do it is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Because I wasn't the one anointed to do it. Saul was the one anointed to do it. And David said, even though I think I could do it better in a different way, I'm not the one anointed right now, so Saul's going to have to be the one to do it. And we're not going to do anything against it. Why? Because of honor. Because of honor. And what if we had an entire church body that lived with this kind of honor? What if that became something that you heard often here? I'm sorry, but we don't, we don't talk like that. I'm sorry, but we don't, we don't say things like that about our leaders. I understand you may have a way that you think it should be done, but here we understand who's anointed to do it, and we allow God to use who was anointed. These are the types of mindsets and cultures and systems that we want to live in that protects our leadership. Anytime an army, especially, and you, you, we see this happen actually a few chapters later, Anytime an army goes into battle, what I loved about these armies is their kings went into battle. They didn't sit up in rooms and schemes and all that kind of, no, they went into battle. And the army was at trying to kill one person. They may have killed thousands, but their goal was to kill one. Because the moment that one, you know who I'm talking about, the moment that leader went down, everything stopped. And all of a sudden, it, it changed. The scriptures say, when the shepherd is smitten, the sheep will flee. You think you're under pressure. We think we're under pressure. Can I tell you, when the enemy shows up here, he may kill as many as he can, but he's after one. I'm just going to be as honest and real with y'all as I can. I'm not belittling what's happening in your life and the attacks that are coming, but the attacks against you are him trying to get through you because he's trying to get to one, two, a couple. <laughs> he's trying to get and smite the shepherd because he knows if he can smite the shepherd, if he can steal from the shepherd, if he can injure the shepherd, and then all of a sudden there's a vulnerability that comes that wasn't there before. Let, let me just get real, real honest, real vulnerable here. At the risk of it, whatever. How many of you, if we were being as honest as we could be, feel the difference when they're gone? Just be real. It's not a shot at me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not that guy. I may be a big brother here, but I'm not Papa. And you feel the difference? Why? So if we notice the difference when he's gone, why don't we fight for the difference when he's here? Why isn't the thing within us saying, I got to guard this, I got to protect this, I got to keep this. There's something coming after him. There's something that wants to destroy what's happening in life, church. And to do so, he's going after leaders. He's going after leaders. That's why the king, that's why the king would pick out the baddest men. You ever went and read about David's men? The guys that hung out with David? They were nuts. You know why they hung around him? Because they knew if somebody gets to David, everything changes. So the baddest men hung around. Men that would sneak into a camp of thousands just to say we did it. Men that would fight their way through thousands to get a cup of water and bring it back to David. Only for David to pour it out. That's the kind of men we need. That's the kind of people we need. And I'm not just, in the spirit, of course. We need people in the spirit that when a leader says, gosh, I'm thirsty, I go to war. I go to fighting. I decide, you know what, if my leader's thirsty, I must not be doing something right. And we begin to fight into something. And we begin to bring something out. That's the kind of people I want around me. That's the kind of people we need around our leaders. But not just going into a prayerful place. Yes, that is so imperative, and, I, I, and we have to be there. But sometimes it's a physical thing. Things need to be said. Things need to be approached. Things need to be talked about that we're just letting go. 
Man, I've said it before, and I'm just going to throw it out there. One thing that just, oh, it gets to me is the term preacher man. I want to throat chop people. You know what I'm saying? Because there's no honor in it. I told you I wasn't hanging out on these. We're trying to get to number four. What was one? What was two? Three. Guard who? David told him, this is because you have not guarded your master. Level four, and this is where I really want to hang out for a minute, even though I done wasted most of my time, or spent most of my time. Level four, protect. Now, I know that sounds a lot like guard, but I'm fixing to explain some things to you. Now, the way he taught this to me, if this is level four, this is the greatest level of honor that I've personally ex- am learning right now. This, this may continue on, but as of right now, this is the fourth level, and this is the greatest level of honor, and we're going to go back to Joshua chapter one, and we're going to finish the scriptures where we started. Joshua chapter 1, I'm going to read 16 through 18. And these scriptures are actually, when I read these scriptures through, this is where God spoke to me the phrase, the progression of honor. I want you to see it in the scripture. So they answered Joshua saying, All that you command us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we heeded Moses and all the things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Catch 18. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words, in all that they command him, all that you command him, he shall be put to death. Last phrase, they quote what God told Joshua. Only be strong and of good courage. What is the progression? Protect. Protect what? The greatest honor we can give is fighting to protect the culture that is needed for our leader's vision to grow. The greatest honor that we can give is fighting to protect the culture that is needed for our leader's vision to grow. In this situation, God has just given Joshua the entire vision, the plan, the direction. He comes and gives it to the people. Says, this is what we're about to do. This is the direction we're about to go in. I'm convinced that this number four, this level number four, is one of, one of the one of the things that is the most devastating to the growth and progression of a church. Most churches stop growing and progressing because of this level four. Because the greatest honor is fighting to protect the culture that's needed for a leader's vision to grow. Can I tell you that the greatest vision in the world cannot grow in bad culture? It doesn't matter how good the vision is. It, it, look at it this way. If you're taking notes, write this down. Vision is seed. Culture is the soil. The greatest seed doesn't grow in bad soil. So what we have to understand is when the ones who are anointed to bring the vision, when they relay to this church what the vision is, then us as the people have to begin to fight for the culture that that vision needs. That vision has to have a culture that it can grow in. We have to come to the understanding that there's some things that will have to be rooted out for this to grow. 
We can't just let anything grow in this culture because it may harm the vision that's growing. So, so we have to begin to, to understand that there's a, I know in this they're actually talking about people, uh, but we're in the New Testament, thank you Jesus. And in the New Testament you have to understand there's still a putting to death. They said anyone that doesn't abide by your vision shall be put to death. So what happens is we have to come to the realization if this isn't healthy for the vision, it's got to go. It's got to be put to death. If, if, if that attitude, if that, that, if that whatever, that speech is not healthy for the vision of the church, the vision of our leaders, it has to be put to death. It has to be taken out of the camp. It has to be dealt with because they were so convinced that to step into the destiny, the vision that Joshua had given them, they had to fight for a culture that would keep it there. Let me show you a good example of this. You don't have to turn there. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, because we've been using him all night, David shows us this incredibly. And he's taking care of his father's sheep, and his father asks him, hey, will you go take care of Will you go take some cheeses and stuff to your brothers? They're fighting. Well, he shows up, and we know the, one of the most famous stories in the Bible. We get David and Goliath. Well, leading up to this, they say, you can't go and fight him. You're, you know what I mean? You're just a kid or whatever. And David makes these statements. And he says, I'm, I'm going to jump over and read it because I, I want to pull a couple things out of it. 1 Samuel 17, 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, and I struck it and delivered the lamb from the mouth. And when it arose, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this Philistine will be like this. He'll be like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. What's so important about this? David was taking care of something that belonged to his leader. David didn't own the sheep. David had no stock in the sheep. You feel me? It wasn't his. When people came up and were like, oh my gosh, these are the best sheep in the world. David couldn't be like, oh, thank you. Yeah, they're mine. Nuh-uh. It wasn't his. It was his father's. It was his father's vision. The farm was his father's vision. As a matter of fact, if you read on through, David couldn't care less about being a farmer. That wasn't his thing. He was a musician. He was writing poems. He was, he was doing all this. But his father had a vision, so he honored it. Oh, this is too much. This is too much. So he's protecting something. Now get this. Remember, we got to see what we're reading, and let's get some context to it. A lion. Can we just let that sink in the room? When's the last time you went to the zoo and seen a lion? And with the gate there, you're still like, eh, no, I'm good. You stay over there, I'll stay over here. You get what I'm saying? He said a lion came in and took one. The lion didn't come after David. No, it came after the father's vision. And because it took off with it, it says David chased it down and killed it. I'd have been like, oh, didn't see it. What lamb? What are you talking about? Nobody's seen that. But you know what happens? You know what, you know what becomes the, the, uh, when these situations happen in our life? You know what becomes? It's not my church. It's not my church. It's not my vision. I didn't come up with it. But David said, no, 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 no. And what's crazy is for David, it wasn't about the sheep. It was about his father. Because the sheep belonged to his father. So he wasn't fighting them because he loved sheep. He was fighting it because he loved his father. And he was honoring his father's vision. And so what was he doing? He was protecting the vision of his father at all costs. Dude grabbed a bear by the beard and took it down for his father's vision not for his not for his own thing so it wasn't even at the end I protected what I got here no no you didn't you protected what your father has you protected what your leader has so we have to move into this place where I understand the importance of fighting for the culture, fighting for what has been given, fighting for what has been put out in front of me because that vision is what God has anointed to have an impact here. How do I, how do I put this out there? Help me, Holy Spirit. 
the Bible is very uh, unapologetic in relaying to us that he uses leaders to give visions. I, I, I don't know how else to put that. It's the way it works. He anoints someone over an area, a place, a house, whatever it may be, a church, and anoints them with a vision to do what is necessary. And anything you do successful underneath that is not for your ministry. It has to be for the vision. So at the end of the day, you don't sit back and say, man, I nailed that on my ministry. No, you didn't. Either you honored the vision of the house or you stepped outside of where you were supposed to be. So we, we, we have to start understanding that anything that comes in, one of the things that just so just keeps coming to my spirit when we get into this, one of the things that comes in that becomes detrimental, that becomes that lion or that bear that's coming in to deal with the vision is gossip. And if we don't become as aggressive towards gossip as David was towards the lion, then you have no honor for your leaders. You may say, well, they weren't even talking about the leaders, but it's hurting their vision. You see? It's harming the overall vision, and we allow gossip to just run around and eat up everything. And, and, and sometimes we think, well, I mean, I wasn't saying it. Yeah, but David wasn't actually holding that sheep either. He just was in the vicinity when the thing came in, and his responsibility was to guard what belonged to his father. And so we have to move into this place where we start understanding there is such a responsibility and there's such an importance to protect the culture that has been created in this house because that culture is what let vision grow. And the thing that actually changes our community is the growth of the vision of your leader. I get, one second, I get... I get personal ministry, and I push it and promote it as much as anyone. But what I need you to understand is the thing that turns your community upside down is not just you sharing the gospel at a gas pump. The thing that does it is creating a culture that allows the vision to grow in such a way that it transforms your community. He so protected this that he became the king. You see what I'm saying? There's a, there's a level of honor that I don't even think we've had on our radar. It, it, it hasn't, because we've been obedient, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, do, what, I do what they ask. And, and we live on that level of honor, but there's this place that God is drawing us to. And he was working all this out with the children of Israel. Why? Because they were so close to destiny. They were so close to inheriting the promise. Joshua comes out and lays the vision out before him and says, this is what God has shown me. This is what God has told me. And he said, and when we do it, you get to enter into rest. That's the promise. You get to go into rest. And the people so bought into the vision. I want to look at this last part right here in verse 18. Joshua 1, 18. I told dad, I am completely convinced that this was Caleb talking to Joshua. And I can't prove it to you that he is, but you can't prove to me that he's not. So, in my story, this is Caleb talking to Joshua. <clears throat> and in verse 18, the very last part of it, he quotes, he requotes what God told Joshua. And says, what's the first word? Only. Right? At the last phrase, I close my Bible. Only, sorry, the last phrase, not the beginning of the scripture, right? He requotes God and says, only be strong and courageous. Now, if you've been tracking with all the teaching we've been doing out of Joshua, we broke down strong and courageous, and it actually breaks down to mean um, connected and obedient. So what he's telling Joshua, Caleb comes to him and his posse. He's like, look, bro, this is what we're doing. We're going to take care of anything that comes in so that all you have to do, all you have to do as the leader, matter of fact, I'm just going to say it. 
all I want you two to have to do is worry about being obedient and being connected. We'll take care of the culture. We'll make sure this house can grow your vision. We here will do what it takes to put to death anything that hinders your vision. So all we want you to worry about is hearing from God and translating the vision. And when you give us the vision, we're going to fight to protect this culture. We're going to fight to make sure that everything that comes from you for this place, are you with me, church? Are we going to fight to make sure that the vision survives? Because I'm more convinced now than ever, it's the vision that comes from our leaders that changes our nation. It's this vision And the vision needs culture to grow in. It needs a culture, a strong culture to grow in. So church, I want you to know where we're at. We. Caleb spoke up as a leader. He was a big brother, but he was one of the people. And and earlier on in, in, in the context of the story, it says Caleb steeled the people. He spoke to the people and he began to declare to the people, this is what we have to do. We have to understand the responsibility of fighting for a culture that lets their vision grow. Now, in closing, I want to give you this because, yes, Uh, connected and obedient. So this is where I was at. And actually, uh, you can you can ask dad, we're in connection right now he's writing down a lot of stuff as it relates to the vision of this house because at first when I was going through this I wanted to do the whole well he's never told me the vision you know what I mean like that becomes the thing but I just don't see David's dad sitting down and giving him a foolproof plan vision of keeping sheep like they're sheep make sure they eat make sure they drink and don't let bears eat them you get what I'm saying like but anyway, I was in this place. I'm just, just being real with y'all. Like, I was in this place of, well, well, we don't have, and I wanted to even get real spiritual. I'm like, he's supposed to write the vision, make it plain so I can see it when I'm running. Yeah, those of you that grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? So we have, this, we have this mindset like that or whatever. And this is what Holy Spirit told me in prayer two days ago. Because I was in that argument like, well, he didn't write it down. So, which I did text him that day. I'm like, hey, I need you to write some stuff down. <laughs> but I was in that thing of, well, he didn't write it down. And Holy Spirit said, no, you just haven't been paying attention. So I sat down right here. I said, well, show me. And he began to take me back through the life of these two. And show me that someone who hears from God and has vision, it's always visible. The the thing is, how much are we paying attention? So I began to ask myself, what is the vision of our spiritual parents and life church. And so I begin to see the areas in in here that we thrive in. I almost want to say unintentionally, but they just come up. And I even had the privilege of going way back because, I mean, I've been watching for 31 years. But when, when they were pastoring in Texas, I noticed the theme. I noticed the theme where they would always reach For those that were addicted and broken and hurting, and they bought trailer houses, they set up programs, they did everything to reach the worst of the worst. I'm talking, they were reaching people that were so bad and having such an impact that they went away one weekend, and my father-in-law had to sleep in my driveway because they were sending them letters threatening to burn our house down and kill their kids. So people were sleeping in my driveway to protect us because of who they were willing to go after. Because nothing was off limits. You get what I'm saying? It, it wasn't too far gone, and it wasn't too hard. And then I began to realize, wait a second, while we were there, I remember young ministers coming up. And all of a sudden, I realized they planted churches before planting churches was cool. You see what I'm saying? And I begin to see this theme of raising up young leaders and, and, and discipling people into growing the faith and going after the... And then I realized we lived in a town of 32 and a half people. I don't even know. I'm just saying. Colby was the half. <laughs> Bro, I'm so sorry. You finally grew into your other half. It's all right. 
We lived in a town of 32 people, and our children's department ran 600. Like, either these people need to buy a TV or something's, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so what I begin to realize is all of a sudden, everywhere they get planted, the children's grow. There's a huge, there's a huge, inf- so God began to say, if you were paying attention, you would know what vision to fight for. So let me do something tonight, which I'm saying this ahead of the fact that we are about to release some stuff on vision. Uh, but I want us, us here, to be very aware and not need a written word for word, this is what we do. Look at Life Church and see what's important to us and fight for a culture that protects it. That's what we have to do. Fight for a culture that protects our children. Fight for a culture that protects young leaders who are being trained and brought up. Fight for a culture that protects those that are being brought into a women's house that are as broken as it gets. Fight for to protect that culture. Don't always think you need to start a new ministry. We don't need more ministries. We need to fight for the ones that we have. We need to fight for the ones that we have. Father, I thank you tonight. I want to say thank you for the leadership that you have placed in this house. Y'all, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. You better partner with this this tonight. Father, we thank you that you have placed a mother and a father in this house that has a vision. And Father, I pray you begin to stir us up once again to fight for a culture that protects a vision that could change our community. God, wherever you are putting us to be, whatever situation you are putting us in, we will fight to protect this culture we will not only be obedient but we will also we will also be restrainful we will restrain situations we'll restrain our own mouths we'll restrain our own will to make sure that it it promotes the vision and the culture we'll guard our leaders we'll protect our leaders we'll stand up for them we'll fight for them and we'll protect the culture that is necessary for the vision to grow. Father, I thank you that you are inviting us to higher levels of honor. I made a statement at the beginning, just, just, just stay in the spirit of prayer. I hear the Holy Spirit speaking. I made a statement at the beginning of this teaching and I said, where there's dishonor, there cannot be unity. And in Psalms 133, it says blessed, that God will bless. He will pour out a blessing when people are unified. He's trying to get us to figure out honor because it will figure out unity. And when it figures out unity, he'll pour out a blessing that we didn't even know was coming. And it'll be like the oil that ran down Aaron's beard. And, and, and see, that's the picture. The blessing runs from the top to the bottom. It runs down from the head, from the leader. So if you want your lead, if you, if you want to be blessed, you better be praying your leader's blessed. You better be praying that they're protected because the oil, Psalms 133 says, runs down. Down. It runs down from the head. The anointing runs down from the head. So, Father, we thank you for that tonight. We thank you that you've called us into something new. You, you've given us a, 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 a sight. You've given us a vision where we're headed and what you're asking us to step into. Now, help us, Holy Spirit. Help us. Help us. Help us. Help us to create a culture that the, that the honor is on such a level people can come in for the first time and know what it means to honor someone. Let it become so real, Father. Thank you for it, Jesus. Man. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to assure you one thing. Y'all can, y'all can stop that. Nobody else needs to hear this. I want to say this personally as a associate pastor or another leader here. That there's been times of not really knowing me, who, who I was or my place. That out of ignorance, I've created two visions. And we heard this weekend, when he said it this weekend, it struck me so deep. Pastor Catalina said, anywhere there's two visions, there's division. And so there's been times, 
mostly just because I didn't even know what I was supposed to be doing and I didn't know where to be and I didn't know who I was, which God is releasing that in such a way right now. But I, I want to apologize, first of all, to you as leaders that I would ever create another vision, that that would ever be done in any way. And I want to apologize to the body because anywhere there's been two visions, there's division and God never pours out his spirit on division. It don't happen. It does not happen. That's why we have to get honor so right. So I am apologizing, asking your forgiveness as a church body, asking your forgiveness as lead pastors here at this house. Whatever your vision is, that's the vision for this house. And I honor you and I thank you for that. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.